if you're talking about, I have to go on my computer and decide what to watch between a Warner Brothers film on HBO Max or a YouTube video, you're now competing. You're competing in the same playing field as YouTubers and as TikTok creators. This week on the Colin and Samir podcast, well, first, let me say uh, Happy New Year to everyone who's listening, watching, commenting, subscribing. You guys all made 2020 a really special year. Thank you to everyone who shared their Spotify wrapped report that showed that we were in their top podcast. That was one of the coolest things. And every year when that comes out, it's so cool to see how many of you guys are listening and committed to listening on a weekly basis. That's something that's so amazing for us to see. And we're excited to continue bringing you guys these podcasts this year. And if you don't know, we actually launched a podcast YouTube channel where we're uploading video versions of these episodes so you can watch and also comment. That's one of the cool things about having a podcast YouTube channel. So if you want to go check that out, you can do that now. This podcast is live right now on our podcast YouTube channel. If you do go over there, make sure to drop us a subscribe. We're getting pretty close to 10,000 subscribers. And Colin said, if we get to 10,000 subscribers, he will shave his head. This year on the podcast, we're focused on bringing you guys our perspective on the creator landscape, the opportunities that creators have, and breaking down the moves that creators are making in the industry, as well as talking about how we're thinking about our own business as creators. On this episode, we talk about our predictions for 2021 and what we're excited to see happen this year in the creator economy. 2020 was a huge year for creators, and it looks like 2021 is also going to be a momentous year for the creator economy. Also looks like it's going to be a momentous year for Bitcoin, but that's a whole nother show. All right, here we go. Our first episode of 2021. We hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the Colin and Samir podcast. You know, we uploaded our first YouTube video 10 years ago. Like exactly today? Not exactly today, but in 2011 is when we started on the path of, of being creators. Wow. It's 2021. 2021. First of all, happy new year to everyone who's listening, watching, uh, Thank you for subscribing to this YouTube channel. If you are watching it, if you're listening to this, head over to our YouTube channel and subscribe. Um, on today's episode, we figured first episode of 2021, we should probably make some predictions because we kind of missed out on making some predictions last year, but we couldn't have predicted I what mean, happened. had we even tried to remotely predict anything outside of a global pandemic, even if we were just talking about within the creator industry, I'm sure we would have missed the mark. Logan Paul is fighting Floyd Mayweather. Yeah, that's pretty wild. David Dobrik is opening up a uh, brick and mortar pizza shop. Ridiculous. Don't think I could have predicted that. And no. Charlie D'Amelio has over 100 million followers on TikTok. Crazy. I kind of feel like we were early on the TikTok wave, by the way, because in 2018, we made a video about TikTok saying it was like, it was a good tool. We were early on yeah. analyzing TikTok. <laughs> yeah, we were. Yeah. We weren't we, no, early no, we to TikTok. No, no, we, we weren't creators for it, but we were early to talk about it and be like, this is kind of a thing. We were too early. So again, the reason we're making these predictions is so that a year from now, January 2022, you can come back and be like, wait a second, Colin and Samir predicted that. And so we can say, told you so. And if none of our predictions are right, there's actually, it holds no bearing because you'll just move on by That's that That's why it's fun to make predictions. It'll be a whole year. Yeah. So we're going to make these predictions if we're right, uh, told you so. If we're wrong, just forget about it. Move I highly recommend it. making some predictions because you get to sound smart, but you'll never really find out until, you know, everyone forgets. <laughs> so just make some I, predictions. I also think if you make some predictions in your own life, it's a good move because you want to manifest some stuff. Yeah. It, it's you actually know, about manifesting. It's about, about manifesting. All right. So when we look at 2021, you know, one thing that I think is interesting is like we're talking about the creator industry, the creator economy. That's what we cover on this channel as well as on our main channel. Um, I feel like that term also was kind of a 2020 term. 
Like the creator economy. Oh, totally. Right? That's like a new thing. Yeah, I think a lot of people all of a sudden started to see the creator economy as its own separate industry that is going to continue to grow. And 2020 was this like amazing accelerant for that, for the creator economy, not only for the term, which was like a hot term in 2020, especially on Twitter, um, but also just the industry is has been accelerated completely into a new space. And a lot of that is because being a creator when the pandemic hit, was one of the few jobs that was actually like perfect for the situation. There was a rise in content consumption, right? Because everyone's sitting at home. There was um, a decrease in content from Hollywood because no one could create anything. And creators are more relatable because they're like real people. So they could just turn on a camera and talk about what was happening and react to the world as it was. And that is where we saw the biggest rise in um what was happening in the creator world, but new creators emerged, not only the big ones that we heard about, the Charlie D'Amelio's, the Addison Ray's, the, the, the Sway Boys, um, but there was a rise of the working creator as well. I think that's an interesting place to start in 2021. What does the creator economy look like? Is there an opportunity right now for you to make a living on the platform? And for all these new channels that emerged, uh, even, you know, guys like us who are in that middle class of creators, what does the world look like for us on YouTube? Well, I think that's our first prediction is that in 2021, you will see not only the rise of the working creator, which we started to see in 2020, but the establishment of a creator middle class because of how important it is to have those working creators who are not the mega stars, but the ones that are paying their bills, they're providing for their families with creating as a career. Why is that important? It's important because... The entire like social media ecosystem relies on the stars at the top to uh, provide that inspiration for people who are watching to want to make that jump and become a creator. But when you make that jump, it's such a difficult long path with such little guidance that there's so much attrition for actually getting to the top and making it there uh, in the middle because it takes so long. And those people in the middle are really important because they are producing tons of content that is finding views, is hitting niche audiences, and is uh, serving advertisers. So who? Right? Uh, so they're important to platforms. They're important to the platform. Yeah, exactly. They're important to the platform. That's the interesting part, is that the platforms actually require this large you know, middle class to be creating to then service advertisers at scale. But the problem is, existing in that middle class, as we saw uh, in 2020, is, is very difficult. There's a lot of conversation around how difficult it is to survive in that middle class because you don't have monthly recurring revenue. Uh, it's, but it does take a lot of time to create content. Yeah, I think the, um, what's going to happen though is people will use the platform to launch businesses. Like the reality is social media uh, is going to be used more as a tool by the working class creator, not as like the end destination. The advertising business is the scale business. You need, it doesn't match up. Being a working class, like middle tier creator who's getting 10,000 views a video and saying, I'm in the advertising business, it doesn't, yeah. doesn't won't, really won't work. Pay for, yeah, won't it pay doesn't, for bills. doesn't really work. Yeah. But if you're getting 10,000 views a video and you have an Etsy shop and those 10,000 people are interested in what you're making on the Etsy shop, you're a working class creator. That's what I think is interesting now is that what's the, the, what has happened is there's a match between the opportunities with the content world as well as the opportunities to be like 
an Amazon affiliate partner or an Etsy, have an Etsy shop or have a Shopify store or have like a consulting or a coaching firm. Like all of those things have opened the world up for creators to actually launch businesses and leverage their platforms into becoming a entrepreneur. So the whole internet, I think, is now at a place that the working class creator can exist. And YouTube's trying to catch up. They're trying to figure out ways that's like, okay, do we help you make merch? Do we help you, you know, get super chat, like microtransactions from, from your audience? Do we help you do memberships? Like they're trying to sort out what that means. The, the thousand true fans uh, theory, it does work, but it's actually like, it's a lot harder to to execute than I think people think going into it. Yeah, and I think while these platforms experiment uh, with ways to help creators monetize, part of the solution to creating and fostering that middle class is going to be actually putting money out for these creators. And I think we already saw some of that in 2020. We saw Facebook Gaming uh, pledge $10 million uh, for a black creators gaming fund where basically over the course of two years, select gaming creators who applied were paid out monthly. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's an exact example there of them solving that problem here of attrition. Same with the TikTok creator fund. Yep. Um, and one thing that's not talked about, and I didn't even know about it, I sent it to you last night, Snapchat Spotlight. It's their rival to TikTok. It's like their answer to TikTok. And they, they're giving out a million bucks a day to different creators based yeah. on like, how they how good of content they make. Like David Dobrik talked about on his podcast, he he repurposed one of his TikToks on there and it became like the highest viewed video of the day and he got a hundred thousand dollar check. Yeah. That's so crazy. basically and he doesn't need that. You're but think not, about the other people who are able to tap into that. And the difference here, uh, as opposed to YouTube, YouTube you're getting paid for views because of advertisements on the video. With these short form uh, content formats like TikTok or like Spotlight or like Reels, it's a little bit more difficult to serve an ad. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's effective. So what these platforms are doing are just pledging money so that if you go viral, you are rewarded for creating that content. And I actually think what's interesting is it, it increases the competition, obviously, because there's a finite amount of dollars that these platforms are are giving out. Um, and it's all based on performance. It's not like just make stuff and see what happens. But what's interesting is the success that some people have had, especially on YouTube, which in my opinion is the hardest platform of them all. It's the absolute hardest platform. So some stats that we saw, um, one thing we saw was that 22,000 channels, um, there's 22,000 channels on the platform with over a million subscribers. That is super significant because if you get to 200,000 subscribers, I think if you play your cards right, you can make a living, you know, like Mm -hmm. a good living. And if you're at a million, you can really do a lot especially if you're like really playing, if you're really following the rules on YouTube, you can do a lot. Now, what's interesting is Mr. Beast and his rewind that he did, he talked about um, 250 channels that crossed over 10 million subscribers. Um, YouTube released a blog post that said over 350 gaming channels crossed 10 million subscribers. So I'm not sure which stat is correct, but either way, like if you're crossing 10 million, you're not in the realm of making a living. Like you're in the, the oh, superstar yeah. realm. Yeah, you're moving out of the working creator middle class, 100%. But the tens of thousands, like it, whether it's 22,000 or whatever it is, channels that have over a million subscribers, like you're you're in the like NBA of social media, in my opinion, when you cross a million, especially on YouTube. 
I think a million subscribers might mean different things across different platforms, but on YouTube, like you can really do a lot at a million subscribers. So it's interesting to see that a couple years ago, the amount of channels that were a million was a lot smaller, like two years ago. Like this is exponential growth in the creator ecosystem that was accelerated by 2020 and will continue to rise. But I think the working creator, like platforms are gonna have to figure out what it means to incentivize people to grow big, or maybe they don't need it. Maybe they just need a bunch of people who get 10 to 50,000 views a video. I don't know. But I think we will see a large crop of people get to that 10 to 50,000 views a video range and be able to make a living doing it. Yeah, and I think what we're going to continue to see are the platforms starting to put uh, money into some of these creators in early stages. Like, I really do like what Facebook did with having an mm -hmm. applicant pool and then granting people monthly recurring revenue. Like, I, I think that's a huge gift as uh, an early creator looking to really be a part of that middle class is to look out two years and say, like, I have a certain amount of revenue that comes in every month. I have a question. What, uh, what does Instagram look like at the end of 2021? Like, does it actually become a shopping platform? I feel like it already is a shopping platform. But you can't, like, not anyone. Can anyone have a shop on Instagram? I feel like Instagram's trying to do a lot. And I think the shopping aspect is interesting, but I guess you'd have to have a, like a Shopify and connect it. But like Facebook Marketplace seems to be a place where people have been able to, you know, generate income in 2020. Is, is that connected to Instagram? Like if you have a Facebook Marketplace, can you sell directly through Instagram? I think so. I think if you have a Facebook shop, right? I have no idea. I don't know. I, I feel like uh, Instagram is... Um, All I know is the only reason I really go to Instagram now is to shop because hmm. I feel like the algorithm understands things that I think look cool, things that I would want to buy. I watch a lot of reels. I actually primarily hmm. use Instagram for reels. Why? I just like it. Aren't they just repurposed TikToks? Some of them are original, but I don't have TikTok anymore on my phone. I, I, I did this thing where I was like, I got to get TikTok off my phone. Like I'm spending too much time on TikTok. But now Instagram reels are like equally as enjoyable for me. Because they're just TikToks. Yeah, it's just TikTok. It's great. So they're actually TikToks. Like they're branded. No, they're not all branded. A they're, lot of them are branded. I mean, not A lot not of times in the Explore page, and yeah, I yeah. recommend it. Either way, there. it's good content. It's yeah. just like, I'm just- You're just saying you like TikTok. I like TikTok. Like TikTok's doing a good job. Yeah, it's, I'm surprised at how much attention they've been able to capture of mine. And that, that format, because sometimes I'll even get caught in YouTube uh, stories and shorts. That it's just like, I kind of just like that never ending scroll of like, I don't know what's next. Because sometimes the algorithms are too predictable yeah. and like they know me too well that it's like surprised me a little bit. You but know? that in itself is a content experience with a good story. The act one yeah. is, I don't know what's next. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. I love that. And I think what's interesting is as the algorithms have gotten better, we kind of want a little bit more surprise. It's like, if the algorithm is too predictable, if it knows me too well, then at some point it's just giving me stuff that's like, yeah, that's I find that with TikTok where if I make too many moves in one direction, all of a sudden mm. I'm involved in you're at cartel like, TikTok, like rigatoni, yeah. like make your own rigatoni <laughs> TikTok. And rigatoni I'm like, how are there so many people that just specialize in making a certain type of pasta at home? So Get it out of my feed, TikTok. <laughs> so speaking of niche content, like rigatoni TikTok, okay. I, I, I wonder from a, uh, like prediction perspective, gaming seems to be the like number one thing on YouTube. Like it feels like it's 
it is as a category, like number one. And I don't have any stats around that outside of, you know, they did put out this, uh, this article. Uh, 2020 is YouTube's, is YouTube gaming's biggest year ever. 100 billion watch time hours. That's insane. Sometimes I'm numb to YouTube stats because it's just like, what does that even mean? But they said more than 80,000 YouTube gaming creators hit 100,000 subscribers. Over 1,000 gaming creators hit 5 million subscribers. And then that stat, over 350 gaming creators reached 10 million subscribers. And like, like we were just talking about before we started recording, like some of the biggest YouTube creators, TikTok creators, um, they're all playing games. They're playing Minecraft Among Us. Mr. Beast has his own gaming specific channel. That was one of the fastest growing channels of the year. This is just the year that we are going to have to understand gaming. We have no choice but to play Roblox uh, or Minecraft or Among Us. Among Us, Us yeah. But um, does it, I, I don't know exactly how gaming creators monetize, but it's probably through AdSense and then also through sponsorships from and games. And subscriptions, like you look at Twitch streamers, right? right? Yeah, the culture around gaming, I think potentially is more fit for building working class creators that are specific to like not building their own products. They aren't, they aren't like building companies outside of the content. Yeah, and of course we're new to gaming, but I think the interesting thing about subscribing to a gamer and watching their live streams is that you are watching them for the entertainment, of course, the commentary. But if you're also passionate about gaming, you're watching uh, to understand and how to become a better gamer, right? Yeah. You're watching to see, is this a game I want to play myself even? I mean, uh, you know how much Dream grew this year? I have no idea. It, it, or in 2020, Dream went from 1 million subscribers in January 2020 to 13 million by October 2020. Like the scale is wild of gaming. I saw a tweet and a thread uh, interaction between Blake Robbins and Mr. Beast and Blake tweeted about Dream Mm. and his growth uh, playing Minecraft. And Mr. Beast chimed in and said, this is like cartoons reimagined. Ooh, that's good. Which I thought was a really interesting way to look at it. I like that. You know, that this is a uh, illustrated fantasy world and a story being told Hmm. and young kids are watching it Yeah, and it continues to evolve. That's really interesting. It's like cartoons 2.0. I mean, Beast uh, is the number two most liked gaming video of the year with uh, his Minecraft video, whatever. It's it's so interesting. We were just talking about this, that Beast has now put um, his storytelling philosophy into gaming, which combines like two of the biggest things on YouTube, the, the way he's able to build tension and create this, uh, what we call Jenga storytelling of like bringing you along and making tension rise as time goes on. Um, he gamifies gaming. He puts yeah, an extra layer crazy. of gamification on top of playing a video. I, game. I haven't watched this video, but it's called whatever you build, I'll pay for it. It's on Mr. Beast gaming, which wow, now has 13 million subscribers. Mr. Beast gaming was started this year. And it, this video has 36 million views and 2.8 million likes. Like this is, this is a scale that's unbelievable. Um, so I think, I think what'll be interesting is what, like how much of YouTube to me, and it's because of the stuff I consume, it feels like gaming's in, it's in like a different section of YouTube. Definitely. I always kept gaming yeah, in a different it's section. It's like, oh, that, that's YouTube. Ga- that's like gaming. That's like, yeah. it's not. And in 2020 gaming definitely just came into yeah. mainstream trending big time. YouTube. Yeah. And if you look at the trending page too, like we mentioned, like 
the thing that I'm seeing is popular creators playing games who are like lifestyle creators. But now if you want to be a lifestyle creator, like playing games is, that's the way you attract. Yeah, definitely part of 2021 for us is going to be about exploring gaming. Yeah. So uh, just to close the loop on number one, on the rise of the working creator, I think what we're going to see is because of the way that likely 2021 is going to go, there is going to be this um, continuation of increased content consumption, opportunities for people to grow, a rise of a middle class because platforms need it. So they'll likely incentivize people to create. Mm -hmm. um, but then also, I think that middle class finding ways to monetize outside of platform and outside of advertising because of where the internet is today. Last thing I'm going to say about gaming, then we can move on to point two. Okay. New Year's Eve day. Had no plans. Went out and bought an N64. No, you didn't. You didn't tell me. Yeah, yeah, I'm telling you right now. See, that's where we could, I think you and I could start a gaming channel of playing like OG, like if you and I What played, game do you think I bought? Tony Hawk. Pro of course. Of course, that's the oh, best man. game of all time. Yeah, it's awesome. We can play. I'll bring if, it in. If you brought it in, we I'll, threw we'll it on the projector and we had a Colin and Smear gaming channel where we just play like 30-year-old plus games. <laughs> would anyone care? <laughs> like, I, I think I have a Dreamcast at home. Oh, that would be awesome. Do you remember Dreamcast? I went to this, <laughs> yeah, of course. I, I went to this uh, retro video game store and they have like Ataris, mm. which is really old, but then they have, uh, they had a Sega Game Gear. Remember that? It was like yeah, their yeah, version of, of the Game Boy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just really brought oh. me back. Wow, so how much was the N64? $100. And how much was the game? $29. Attainable. That's the other thing about gaming. Again, we're, we're going long on gaming, but it's, it's important uh, because it was like such a massive thing in 2020. But gaming, when you watch someone play, it's so attainable to recreate that lifestyle. When you watch a creator get on a private jet, it's like very aspirational. Like, well, cool. That creator is like living this crazy lifestyle. But when you watch them play video games at their house, you're like, wait, I can play. I can literally do this thing that the person that's my aspirational character my idol, my, the guy that I'm, I'm following, the celebrity that I'm into, I can just shut off that video and do the exact same thing right now. And that's a huge part of any trend. You have to build an identity, but make the pursuit of that identity uh, attainable. And, yeah. and I think skateboarding did that really well mm. because you get to watch skateboarding, you think it's really cool, and then you, you know, 60 bucks, you've got a board and you've got pavement, you can do it all over the world. Right. Uh, but it's YouTube, even more attainable with being gaming. a Exactly, being a YouTuber, uh, is perhaps relatable, but not as attainable. And that's why they need to close the gap on the middle class. But gaming is a way to potentially get in because mm. you're just playing video games, you're streaming. That is both relatable, cool, and attainable. Yeah, I wonder if the rise of the middle class is really like the rise of gaming, of gaming. creators and there's like a, a tailwind of or, or like a long tail of other types of creators, but really like the biggest emerging sector is going to be gaming in 2021. Are we going to say long tail a lot in 2021? Uh, I said it quite a bit in the past couple of years. So past couple of days. Have I? Mm -hmm. I think that's my first long tail of 2021. Okay. I don't think I've said it. No, it's not. When it's did I say It's the first time you've said it on the pod. When did I say it? I don't know specific examples, but I've heard it a lot over the past couple of days. I don't think I've said it. I don't take notes every time you say long tail, but Speaking it's just- Speaking of long, I have a question. Okay. What's the prediction on when I'm cutting my hair? <laughs> I think it's soon. It's, it's got to be, be soon, soon, right? But like, okay, we're in Los Angeles. The- Places are, all the barbershops are closed and I don't really have like a yard or anything to invite someone over to cut my hair. Like I have a yard. Now I'm at the point where I think I'm like, now I should cut it. 
if you're listening to this, you don't have a reference. So flip on the YouTube version and check this out. But I think it's got, it's, it's too much. All right. Prediction number two. So the increase in content consumption came from obviously us being confined to um, our homes. But there's this interesting thought, and this is you know, a term that a lot of people are using, which is obviously a, a term that references the 1920s, but the roaring 20s, saying that after this pandemic, most likely people will go out and want to experience life. There's kind of this slingshot effect where it's like we were confined to our, our houses, we were inside, and now, you know, everyone's going to want to go outside. And mixed with the fact that there are many distressed industries because of this period. And when there are distressed industries, there's a lot of opportunity. Right. So a lot of people will make a lot of money. And that's when you get a lot of excess. An example of a distressed industry is food, food, restaurants, not food, restaurants. Um, <laughs> distressed industry, food. Because food actually is is great right now with like DoorDash and Postmates and, yeah. you know, but it's a restaurant industry. The restaurant industry yeah. specifically. And- um, physical traffic to physical locations is way down. Right. And so it is really interesting that, um, what we'll likely see is people are going to need help creating these experiences. And also right now, like, like you mentioned, there's opportunity because movie theaters are sitting there going bankrupt because no one's walking the door and they still have to pay these rents Mm -hmm. restaurants, the same thing, probably some small hotels, and like hospitality um, in some places is struggling. And so these all offer massive opportunities for creators. And we've seen creators step into food in 2020. We've seen them step in to ghost kitchens like Beast Burger. Mm -hmm. Um, But what we're hearing is, especially around David Dobrik launching a physical brick and mortar pizza shop, is it's probably likely that creators will step in to maybe launch hospitality spaces, hotels, Airbnbs, create physical experiences. Maybe a group of creators buys a movie theater and reintroduces what it looks and feels like to have a movie theater and physical experiences. I think basically where we're going is that like, we're going to see creators make major plays uh, in distressed industries. And I think to make major plays, a lot of times you need funding. So I think what we'll see is the, the rise of venture capital as well as strategic partnerships in the creator landscape. So one thing that um, I think we were just talking about as well today is that creators are really good at building a top of funnel. The reason why creators are attractive to industries is because the cost of customer acquisition goes down because they sit in their room and make a video and they can reach a million people. If you wanted to reach a million people before, the price you'd have to pay for advertising and to actually have a message sink in, it's, it's unbelievable how much you have to pay. So if that is cut off and the price is actually working with and giving an equity share to um, David Dobrik, Emma Chamberlain, Mr. Beast, one of these large creators, then if you're good at building the bottom of funnel, you're a strategic partner, you're a restaurant, and you're like, hey, I have the kitchen, I can make the food, can I put your name on it? Or there's a venture capitalist who's like, hey, I have five million bucks, uh, we can hire a team to build the bottom of, of the funnel and actually make the product, but you just keep doing your thing and bring in all these people. Those two opportunities, we saw them happen in 2020, but it's going to it's gonna go crazy in 2021, for sure. Yeah, definitely. We will 100% 2021 see uh, the introduction of strategic partners, venture capital, uh, mixed with the creator economy. I think what happened in 2020 was we saw there were so many headlines that creators were able to make because of their unique position 
to what was happening in the world. They made a lot of headlines. Uh, and if you follow creators on Twitter and the creator industry on Twitter, it was clear that venture capitalists started being interested because you just saw on Twitter, let alone you have Alexis Ohanian and his firm uh, investing $4 million in a seed round with David Dobrik and his app Dispo. And the interesting thing is that Dispo's a, Dispo's a good idea. It's cool. Um, it's not wildly unique, but it's unique to David Dobrik. And it's so interesting because Dispo, Dispo works in the David Dobrik universe. And that just shows you that if someone's willing to put down that type of money, I think that just opened up everyone's eyes to being like, okay, interesting. Ideas are, as long as they fit into the universe of the creator, that actually deems it a really good idea and an investable idea. Yeah, well, here's a good idea. Let's put some funding into it, make it real, make it better, and then have David Dobrik put gasoline on the fire. Right. Even like Mr. Beast Burger. It's like, let's introduce a new burger chain. No, let's do it with Mr. Beast. Hell yeah. Yeah. You know, like that is, that's the reality. And, and so people who have capital or ability to execute on that, they're all going to be looking now towards Beast and like, or sorry, Beast, or looking towards creators and will likely turn in the direction of um, distressed industries where they can get cheap assets to convert that. Again, like as the world opens up, can creators make a new movie theater chain? And then they could probably distribute their own movies in there. I think as the world opens <laughs> like, up too, we're going to see like a lot of physical events. Like Dobrik could probably buy a bar right now. That's like a set for his videos when they come back and create the hottest club. You know what I, I saw? Like was, a nightlife. Definitely. You know? Who's going to have their, like the next fire fest is coming and it may definitely. not be a fire yeah. fest, but when <laughs> right, this is all right, over, right? the, uh, grouping of people in a singular place, the opportunities that you can uh, create there are just going to be insane. Mm -hmm. Music festivals, all types of groupings of people. I think food is going to continue to be a big part of the creator landscape in 2021 because food is, is actually a really interesting next step for merchandise with creators because at some point you're going to lose space in people's drawers and closets. Also, it's far more transformative of an experience yeah. to eat a burger or to have Emma Chamberlain coffee and to see the way it makes you feel than to just throw on a t-shirt. And I think there's some questions around the food industry is like really hard and really low margin. But what's interesting is it's the brand industry, right? It's like what we're looking at is more of like licensing where the, the creators... Um, are partnering with people who can execute this stuff. And over time, the Mr. Beast Burger, for example, the Mr. Beast Burger could be picked up by Burger King as like a licensing play where it's exclusively available at Burger King. If that happens, that's a licensing play for Mr. Beast and that's pretty lucrative. And for Burger King, they're bringing people in the door because they carry the Mr. Beast Burger and people are going to buy French fries and, and milkshakes and they'll they'll be able to create something that's really dynamic. It's the same thing we saw with Travis Scott and McDonald's. Um, but what Beast is doing is building like fanfare around not a pop-up, but like this is his restaurant. Like this is his burger. The one thing I'll say though about the restaurant industry is that personally, I really hope that there is still room for, you know, the singular owner to open up a restaurant and to thrive in a town. I think just like personally from a community standpoint, mm. 
seeing what's happened to restaurants, even in LA, uh, it's very tough to survive. And all over the country, places that people love are like, I just can't, I can't do this anymore. Mm. But I do hope, I don't know what the answer is there. Yeah. And I don't know if it involves creators at all, but there's some way. Who's the next creator to go into the food industry? Let's make a specific prediction here. To go into the food industry. Pokimane with Pokeballs. That's really good, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what did we, uh, oh, we were predicting James Charles going into the smoothie business. Yeah, acai bowl. Sister smoothies. Sister smoothies. That's a pretty good idea. Yeah. We have one yeah. idea, but it's too good to give up. Right oh, now. yeah. We have one really good food idea, but we cannot yeah. tell you Multi-million guys. dollar food idea. Multi-million dollars. If you have multi-million dollars, then call <laughs> us because it's a multi-million dollar <laughs> idea. If you're a venture capitalist looking to spend millions of dollars on an idea, Call Colin Instagram. Okay, so that's the end of that section. Yeah. Number three. Number three is the continuous merging of uh, traditional and digital. But really, it's not really a merging. It's really just traditional media coming over to digital media. And a lot of this was, you know, I think when I really made this realization, of course, Quibi shutting down was like an obvious one. Seeing the world of... Um, creators materialize on platforms like Netflix with Liza Koshy in a, in a Netflix show and seeing like just more and more creators on streaming platforms. But HBO Max and Warner Brothers, this was a pretty big deal where in 2021, Warner Brothers theatrical releases are going to release on streaming immediately. There's not going to be like a theatrical window. Um, they're going to be available for a month and then there's going to be some sort of window. But anyway, like, it's actually like a streaming first window. Yeah, it's a streaming first window, which is which is weird. They are going to be available in theaters, but like theaters, who knows if theaters are going to be open. And so now Timothy Chalamet makes a movie and it's online immediately. It's an online film. It's a web movie. That's the same thing as what Casey Neistat or David Dobrik or Emma Chamberlain or Mr. Beast or Peter McKinnon is doing. They're releasing internet movies. Yeah. And so now you start to realize like that is... That, it, that was the primary difference in that industry was the distribution. And now the distribution, the biggest movie theater is the internet. And that means that all the actors, all the celebrities, all the talent, all the studios, they're all meshed into this one world of like, some of them are independent creators and some of them are huge studios like Sony Pictures. So what happened with Addison Rae getting cast in, you know, the, the new recreation of, of She's All That that's no longer a conversation of like a creators in the movie. It's just like everyone's in the same pool now. Mm -hmm. And that's probably really startling for actors because they had a distance of like, no, we're the, Oh yeah. That's totally broken yeah. down. And of course that's why you probably saw John Krasinski come over to YouTube. Uh, you saw Brie Larson come over to YouTube. Like so many traditional actors have come over to YouTube because the space is getting really murky. The line is disappearing. Right, you need to be involved in all different types of online media because you are starting to look no different, really. And I, I saw that with um, the Try Guys film that was direct to streaming. It was produced by themselves. Their own production company made it, and then they released it themselves across distribution platforms. So I watched it on Amazon Prime. You could also watch it on iTunes. You could also watch it um, through YouTube. Like you could watch it through multiple places that were all streaming, made by themselves. Great film, by the way. I'm going to say that I thought it was one of the best creator movies I'd seen. But at what point does that become like a Disney Plus or Netflix deal to say, hey, uh, Mr. Beast, we want a game show with you and we want 10 episodes of it and it's going to be exclusively available on Disney Plus. Um, 
you know, or hey, Peter McKinnon, we're going to buy three movies from you and put them on Netflix. And and the idea here is that uh, executives won't make Quibi's mistakes. No. that equip, The age of Quibi happening, we think, at least in 2021, is over. Yeah. Of disregarding content from the creator community. Totally. Quibi, Quibi's like a cautionary tale now of like, it's not, people don't care anymore. And the that react- that's Hollywood, that that's yeah. Steven Spielberg. It's like, that's tough to say because that's like, we grew up in that era where, you know, a Scorsese film meant something so grand and a Spielberg's film meant something so grand. But now it's just like, whatever's good, like whatever's capturing my attention. And creators know that better than anyone, especially when the playing field is the internet. If, the, if, if you're talking about, I have to go on my computer and decide what to watch between a Warner Brothers film on HBO Max or a YouTube video, you're now competing. You're competing in the same playing field as YouTubers and as TikTok creators. And At the end of the day, no matter what platform it is, the goal is, is that someone clicks and watches until the end and really enjoys it. And YouTube is the best testing ground incubator for that skill set of can you get someone to click with the poster? And then can you get them to watch until the end? You know, it doesn't matter where it lives now because you're not in a movie theater where you don't want to walk out. Everyone's at home. You ever walked out of a movie movie theater? Probably. I but, did. But it, I, I can't remember a specific one. It I was remember probably a horror movie because I just, you know. That's not for you. Not for me. I walked out of my date with the president's daughter. You ever seen that movie? I thought you were about to say you walked out on a date. No, no. It's no, like, no, what no, are we no, about no. to get into? <laughs> no, no, no. That's a different, that's a different podcast. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, the, the film was called My Date with the President's Daughter. Anyway. Okay. You want to slam it real quick and then oh, I, just, I think I just did. I walked out. It's the only, only movie I remember yeah. um, walking out of. Oh. But yeah, you, I, I totally agree. I think the skill set is essentially now in the creators. It's like favored towards the creators where the internet is a different place. You, you don't just command everyone's attention because it's a massive screen you actually have to make really good stuff now. And not to say that people weren't making good stuff, but it's just that you're competing now with with Mr. Beast giving away a million dollars. You know, it's like, that's interesting. I might watch five Mr. Beast videos before I watch an hour long Christopher Nolan movie. So. Talking Tenet. I never saw Tenet, but just from hearing about it from you. I'm still confused. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. That's, you know, I think probably if I was to throw out a prediction, I think a streaming service is going to strike a deal with um, a creator or group of creators to release long form projects. I think, I think we'll probably see that. And that streaming service being not YouTube originals. Yeah. We I, saw Louis Cole with his mm-hmm. documentary on uh, Discovery, Plus, Louis, on Discovery yeah. Plus. But I think there's probably like a, a, a broader, like, multi-film deal like five films addison ray yeah yeah yeah, something like that uh Mm -hmm. that that we we might see that that would be super the same way that noah centineo has a bunch of movies on netflix (laughs) you're gonna need to learn in 2021 (laughs) who noah centineo is i don't know who that is um gosh all right so those are our three predictions just to recap let's just like clean those up a bit Number one is the rise of the working creator. We think in 2021, we're going to start to see more creators be able to make a living on platforms. And that's because platforms are incentivized to do so. But there's also going to be these bespoke businesses that they can launch. 
just by garnering, you know, a dedicated following. There's also going to be an industry around supporting those working creators totally. because the numbers yeah. are so large. We may have missed that point. Yeah. But that's also yeah, going to yeah, aid yeah. in working creators. Companies like Stir, yeah. uh, there, there are now people who are invested in those working creators because they're a market themselves. And number two is going to be the rise of venture capital and strategic partners into the creator economy. So with um, industries being distressed, a lot of opportunities open up and creators are continuing to dominate in building large, dedicated um, top of funnel, meaning like a ton of audience members who are willing to transact with them. And we'll start to see money flow in to help build the bottom of the funnel, help build the products like Dobrik's $100,000 puzzle, great mm-hmm. idea, um, or you know, a pizza shop or a burger or a new makeup line. Uh, we'll continue to see that at, at, at a scale that we hadn't seen it before. And, and then number three, coming off the fall of Quibi, we will see the disappearance of the line between traditional media and digital media. They will become one and the same, and we will see creators given multi-project deals to streaming platforms. There's only one question that remains, and that's if and when I will get a haircut. So feel free to leave that in the comments if you're watching here on YouTube. Um, predict the day. If you get the day right that I do get a haircut, uh, I'll send you a hundred bucks. How about that? You personally are going to yeah, send yeah. me Yeah. I'll Venmo you a hundred bucks if you get the day oh, right. Oh, I'm going to comment. Okay, cool. Uh, well, anyway, thank you guys for watching. Hope you guys enjoyed those predictions. If we missed any, um, let us know. Throw them in the comments here on YouTube. If you're listening to this episode, then head over to the YouTube, subscribe, throw a comment there, throw a like, and let us know what you want to hear us cover on the Colin and Samir podcast in 2021. We're excited to make more podcasts, make this more consistent. We have a great time podcasting. uh, And that's mainly because of all of you, all of you guys tuning in. Uh, It was so amazing to see the Spotify wrapped reports to see how many people like this is their like top or in their top three podcast. That to me is one of the coolest things. And I love seeing that every year. Thanks for listening. Make sure to subscribe and leave a comment about Colin's jacket. All right, let's have a good 2021, you know? That's it this week for the Colin and Samir podcast. If you guys have thoughts on this episode and you listened here in the audio version, head over to the YouTube channel and you can drop your thoughts in the comment section. We really want to hear from you guys. It's uh, one of the things that's kind of missing from the audio experience is the opportunity for us to have a conversation with you. But now you can drop a comment over on our YouTube channel and we can react to it, respond to it. If there's topics that you guys want to hear us cover, uh, we'd love to hear from you. So make sure to head over there and subscribe while you're there. If you had any other predictions, you can also tweet those at us. We'd love to hear from you, your reactions to everything that we said on this podcast. Make sure to get in touch. And lastly, if you're someone who is interested in our online storytelling course that we launched in 2020, it's actually on sale right now uh, for $79. And that only lasts until January 15th. So if you want to check that out, you can check that out now. If you're listening to this after January 15th, just disregard that. All right. We'll see you back here next week for another episode of the Colin and Samir podcast.